0: Pregnant? Thinking of getting pregnant? Innova Loudon Hospital's expansion allows us to offer you bundles of childbirth options, close to home. Surround yourself in comfort and calm in our new spa-like labor and delivery suites. And our new and enhanced NICU offers you peace of mind if your newborn needs special attention. We'll coddle you and your baby with exceptional care. Learn more at Innova.org newbeginnings. Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and T.C. on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. Alright everybody, it's our final hour here on a uh, gorgeous Friday. Uh, time to vacate this dump and uh, head out to the golf course. Oh, really? As soon as we're done.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Let's rock and roll. I still got more work to do, Jimmy I know you B. do. I'll be on TV
1: this afternoon. You
0: Again? Again. Man, oh, man, you're on TV more than Ed Wilson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not, the that's not the case at all, Ed. Do you get
0: your makeup from Ed?
1: Uh, no, no makeup. No oh, okay. makeup yet. You least. don't do makeup? No, no. I'm so handsome I don't need it. Oh, man.
0: Good golly. Oh, jeez, I'm going to have to put up with this now that the boys made a couple of TV appearances. That's
1: right, Jimmy B. Well, I've heard about yours for the last couple of years. So That's now, true. Now the tables are turning. They are turned. Speaking of tables turning. Yeah, let's go. Let's get into some baseball. Scott Gelman with the MLB Daily Dish joining us on the Draft House 50 Hotline. Scott, good to catch <laughs> up again. How are things?
2: Uh, busy, but everything's good. I appreciate you having me on, and I'm not sure I could follow up the uh, the TV conversation. There.
1: <laughs> well, Scott, it's uh it's been an entertaining, interesting, sometimes head scratching week of baseball this week. A good start, a lot of teams surprising, but let's start with the Cubs and the Yankees playing here this afternoon. Let's start though with the big national story of the week: the Red Sox and the Orioles. Last night, that uh, series wrapped up with the Orioles coming back and getting the victory there the head hunting that was going on, the slide for Machado, the throw from sale, the ejection a night later. I mean, it was just a crazy story. Just an overview, your thoughts on the whole situation.
2: So, in all honesty, I, I think the situation really got out of hand. And it got out of hand when you have guys in the clubhouse that are starting to say things contrasting with comments of the manager. So, obviously, they are referring to the Pedroia comment. Um, and, and how he said he would have handled things a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, I, I think this whole thing has you know, genuinely been blown out of proportion. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to stop because you see Machado hit a home run, and he's a guy that's going to take his time around the base pads and claim that he coincidentally is going to do so. Um, I, I think the obvious tension and animosity between the two teams, the division game, Obviously, um, of are early in the year, and this is kind of the point in the year, in my opinion, where you could really gain some ground quietly. Um, so uh, from that perspective, I mean, I'm mean, i really just sick of some of the perspectives of people saying this is getting out of hand, this is the media blowing this up to something bigger than it is. If you stop throwing it, guys, if you're Machado and you take your time going around the bases, I mean, you are asking for some kind of, you know, pitch that's not going to end up somewhere nicely. Do I think the slider um, a couple nights ago that, that ended up, um, you know, not crossing the plate where you wanted to. Was that intentional? Not particularly. I mean, you're not going to hit a guy with a 77-mile-an-hour slider. I thought the ejection there was premature. I also thought the fact that there weren't warnings issued, um, you know, before the game and the late umpires handled things could, could be better But that's a whole other conversation. So for me it comes down to these are two division rivals. They're going to play competitive games, but until you stop, it's not going to get any better.
0: Okay, so if you're the commish, how do you get them to stop?
2: Yeah, no, it's it's a great question for, for Rob Manfred. And it's also, unfortunately, comes at a time where he comes out and has to respond to the, the situation with Adam Jones and, and the racial slurs that he was obviously dealing with. So that's, that's the first thing you want to see him respond to. But if you're the commissioner, you really need to somehow say, look, if there is any kind of situation like this again, I'm going to give you a notable suspension. And it goes into violating what you know, we all know is the unwritten rules of baseball. I mean, what happens if you're a pitcher and you throw at a guy, even if it's intentional, it's only going to be, you know, a shorter term type suspension. If you're a pitcher, it's going to be one game, two games, and that's it. If you retaliate as a hitter, you're going to be penalized for, I mean, probably up to a year is, is what the situation can be. And so at the end of the day, as you're trying to get this thing sorted out, you have, to step, you have to step back and say, all right, look, if we're going to suspend pitchers for two games, that if Machado wants to go out there and you know, have a word with the guy, not you know, injure him or anything, then, then you have to say we're going to do that on both sides and, and make sure that the consequences are even. But I think that's all he can really do.
0: It's my contention on this show that the pitcher can throw 98 and drill a guy and nothing really comes of it. But if the guy at bat who gets hit charges the mound, all hell breaks loose. Why is there such a double standard?
2: Well, that's the problem. And I completely agree with you. The the double standard is the guy that's getting thrown at, if he wants to charge the mound, in, in this in this situation you would have every right of doing, you're really going to be sitting out for a notable amount of time. It's not going to be a one- or two-game suspension. And the other thing to note here is if you're a starting pitcher, you a two-game suspension, even if you find a way to say, oh, it's going to miss a start, the two-game suspension might not run into a guy's start. So you're not even really penalizing a guy because it's not its scheduled day to pitch. And so that just brings up a whole other argument about, well, how do you go about you know, suspending guys? Are you going to do it for a specific start? But the double standard is, There's an expectation that the guy with the 100-mile-an-hour fastball is going to face a less severe consequence because the hitter is going to be in there every day. And I think that's just how the game emerged. And in my opinion, Jimmy, I agree with you, it's wrong. And there needs to be something done about it. And I I hope that this week and, and these last few series kind of result in something like that happening because I think at this point, even though it's in a small context, Baltimore and Boston are two major cities, two major sports franchises, and this is a national story. So uh, this
1: weekend we move to the games currently in progress, well, the only game currently in progress, Cubs and the Yankees, and the return of Starling Castro to the Cubs. And it's got to be kind of a bittersweet moment when Aroldis Chapman, who was with the team a couple of months, gets his ring, and and uh, Starling Castro, a guy that was a face of the franchise for a long time mm-hmm. during the rebuild, uh, he doesn't have any hardware to show for it, no jewelry to show for it. Uh, the reception of Starlight Castro and his return to Wrigley Field.
2: Yeah, I mean, you. If you look at what he meant to the franchise, as you mentioned, he's a guy that was the face of the franchise. He's a guy that, at his best, was one of some would say the premier shortstop, young up and coming shortstops in the National League. And if you're a Cubs fan, I think you need to step back and appreciate that. I mean, the the Cubs are in such a great position now where it's not a huge deal that a guy like Starlin Castro is not necessarily, you know, gonna be greeted in such a way that, you know, they're not missing that that star production. They have several images. Chris Bryan is the first one that comes to mind when you think of the Cubs and, and big names and, and the face of the franchise. So they're not, the Cubs are not lacking an image. And so I think what happens when you have guys going back to their, you know, old stomping ground, so to speak, the, the problem with, with the negative reception that I have when that happens is take a step back and say to yourself, is the guy genuinely, coming back, did he do something wrong? Did he ask for a trade? Was he not a well-liked guy in the clubhouse? Then I could understand the negative response. But when you're looking at a guy you know that was the, the face of the franchise, that contributed its shortstop, that was one of the young, up-and-coming prospects and one of the top-rated prospects, I think you have to appreciate that. And I would anticipate that it would be better than you know what, on a national scale, perhaps you would expect. Because, again, uh, you have two major cities in Chicago and New York, and, and this is a story that you know could be blown up if it doesn't go well.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Uh, let's just talk about what is going on since the Cubs are playing the Yankees. Are you surprised at what is taking place with the New Yorkers? I think most people felt, okay, the Cubs are going to repeat. I mean, uh, you, you ask a Cubs fan, it's a foregone conclusion. There's no reason to even play the season. Let's just go right to the World Series. Are you surprised with what the Yankees are doing right now?
2: Very, and, and the key words to that question are right now because you look at the moves that the Yankees were able to make last summer leading up to and even a few after the non-waiver trade deadline, and you say to yourself, well, this is a very impressive group. You, you could see a core coming out of it with a combination of uh, the, the position player aspect and a couple of the arm prospects that they got. I didn't anticipate it coming together as quickly as it did but I'm also not very very surprised about what they got back and what the players that they got back are doing. I mean, you're you're looking at a Yankees team that got that that went from very young or very old to very young very quickly. Mm-hmm. And when that happens when you have that type of complete overhaul, it's one or two things that can happen. You could have the gradual uh the you know, progression of the young talent and it takes a few years to so-called rebuild, even though I don't believe uh, in that term or in that situation of rebuilding, you, you buy into a couple of young guys and you know those guys become the faces of the franchise. And I think the Cubs are, are a very good example of that. Or you could take a team like the Yankees where they say, you know, we're not competing. We're going to shop a bunch of veteran guys. And now you have these younger guys that are producing at probably a level higher than at least what I thought that they were going to do initially, and you know, that's how you have the Yankees in the place they're in right now. I mean, they are going to compete within the American League East, and I think, you know, in so-called Phase 1, Year 1 of that quote, rebuilding process, that's that's a notable thing.
1: Talk with Scott Gelman here on the Draft House 50 Hotline across Major League Baseball. Cubs-Yankees, good series, one nothing the score in that one as they play in the bottom of the third. Uh, to the Two names, certainly ones, too. A couple of uh, surprises here in the Midwest. Brewers off to a decent start, Twins. Mm -hmm. And maybe the most surprising of all has been the White Sox. Do you see any of these teams, though, being able to go forward and and do something positive, be in the mix come September, at the very least for a wild card spotter? All three of these teams, fools, gold in your mind.
2: Well, of the three of those teams, I think the one the most capable would be the White Sox, because I think... You know, Toward the end of the year, yeah, you, you move Sale, you move in, but you're at a point where they didn't completely overhaul that roster. They just overhauled a few of the major names on that roster to get younger um, and move into that so-called rebuilding phase you know, where you move some veteran players who are coming up and approaching free agency. But I think they're easily in a position to have the most sustained success. Um, I think the Twins and Brewers' performance is obviously notable, and, and a lot of the younger guys in both of those clubhouses are, are, again, producing at points where you you would look back before the season and even some of the spring training numbers out there weren't great and say, wow, this is a team in Milwaukee that has historically struggled to, to close the gap late in games. Their bullpen hasn't historically been great, and they haven't historically received a lot of starting pitching uh, depth going into the sixth and seventh innings. I mean, the last guy that, that – that's a major name that comes to mind out of there would be Gallardo, and so you go, you go back and forth, and the Brewers are an interesting spot because the Central tends to be a division that could be played out should these teams compete. You know, toward the end of the year, the White Sox um, are kind of a little bit in the same path, but I think the Twins are in an interesting spot. Um, you, you talk about the youth; they're an interesting story, and I think this is a season for them where you have a couple of front office changes, and this is the season where you want to see the Twins go ahead and and take that next step and continue to compete all season because that would set them up to then say, we're not going to keep overhauling the few major league contracts that we have in in exchange for prospects, but instead we're in a position to go ahead and add come the the trade deadline, come the end of the year, because the Twins, I think, are are among the teams that have done a good job of making it a more sustainable process, and this is kind of the first year where you're seeing the results of that.
0: With what you have seen so far... Um, aside from the Yankees in the East and the American, Cleveland is at the top in the Central. Houston is at the top in the West. They were the favorites in those divisions. In the National League, Washington on top with a comfortable six-game lead. In the Central, Chicago is there. In the West, it's Colorado, but the Dodgers are just a couple of games out. Is it pretty much playing out the way that most baseball aficionados Thought it would play out.
2: For now, yes, and and the reason that I always am much more intrigued by April and May baseball than I am by you know as you get towards August, September, and then ultimately into the postseason. This is really the time where teams are able to experiment with their depth, and I think this is a point where a lot of different people who follow the game closely realize that. Even though you come out of spring training with a four- or five-man rotation, and you come out of spring training with a closer, and you come out of spring training with one or two or three lineups that you genuinely think that you could invest in and that you're able to use, this is the experimental phase. This is the the part where you can experiment with your starting rotation. If there's a prospect, for example, that is producing in double or triple-A, and you have a guy struggling in the back end of that rotation, this is the point where you could experiment and give that guy an opportunity. And and I think that guy is not the guy that gets highlighted or magnified until you get into the the Julys or Augusts. And so this is the point where, yes, you're going to expect the Indians to be there. You're going to expect the Nationals to be there. You're going to expect the White Sox to compete but not necessarily be there. You're going to expect the Dodgers to be there. Um, But this is a situation where, you're seeing everything play out the way it is because the teams at the top of the division have the most veteran guys and they have the most depth. Mm-hmm. But I would not be shocked to see any of it change in the next three, four, five weeks as we get into the summer months because this is the point where you have guys that could, could quickly emerge and, and come out of nowhere. I mean, the first guy that comes to mind, um, that not many people might know the name, is Adam Conley, the lefty starter um, for the Marlins. He was the guy who obviously didn't break their rotation, um, but this is a guy last year who came up, made a couple of spot starts, and then ended the regular season with the best ERA in that rotation, you know, besides Jose Fernandez and that whole tragedy. And so when you look at that, those, it's, bit, it's the Adam Conley-type guys that you really see each organization find, whether it's a, a hitter or a bullpen guy or a starting pitcher that, that you know, set the standard the way that they are for the rest of the season um, while everything is playing out kind of the way I think we would expect it to right now.
1: Scott, great catching up with you once again. Always love talking baseball here. We'll be doing plenty of it in the coming months, getting it through the summertime, uh, the hot summer out there. Always appreciate you joining us. Thanks for your time today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Have a good weekend, guys. All right, Scott. See you, pal. There we go. Scott Gellman on the Draft House 50 Hotline Mill Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes. What's going to be on your viewing plate this way, with this weekend?
1: I, I'm real excited to watch uh, my twins and the Red Sox. Okay. That'll be fun with the Red Sox coming to town. The Sunday pitching matchup is ridiculously good. Yes. I mean, it's, if I can maybe talk the wife into it, we might be making a trek north. Whoa, hell, here it's, we go. It's Urban Santana. Yeah, I knew he was on the mound. With, with his 6-0 and start ERA well under 1 against Chris Sale.
0: That's great. How's that for a That's, salty Sunday?
1: That is salty. 1 o'clock start for that one on Sunday. So I'll be watching a lot of that. NBA playoffs. Keep an eye on like I said, the hockey just isn't doing a whole lot for okay. me. Probably keep an eye on the blues. They play tomorrow, correct? Uh yes. Be keeping an eye on that. But yeah, a little NBA playoffs, a little baseball over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And of course the Derby. Yeah. Can't forget about the Derby. Nope. You got a pick. Um, well, let's see. Brian
0: indicated that we should take that uh that one horse. <laughs> That one horse. That, huh? that, what the hell was it? I wrote his number down. 14. Irish War Cry. Oh,
1: Irish War Cry. That's yeah, 17. that's the one. He gave 17. us 14, 17, 20 yeah. for the trifecta. Yeah. Patch on the outside, the blind horse, blind in one eye, in his left eye. So he's just going to see a track straight ahead. That's all he's going no no, no to see. No horses left. to the side of him. He doesn't need a blinker. We'll be rooting for J Boy's Echo, the uh, Iowa owned horse, certainly. Looking at it right now, forty-two to one. I see. Hello. Ooh, that's a pricey one. Here's (laughs) my pick, though. I'm going a a little bit deeper. All right. I got the eight horse. The eight horse is hence.
0: That's where I'm going. You like hence? Hence. Hence fourth. Okay. Fair enough. Hence so you, is the pick. So you have hence, yep. and I have Irish work ride. What's Irish work ride? The odds on Irish work, work ride. Six to
1: one. Okay. Of course, Jimmy B going Chalk. with my favorite. As always, <laughs> some things never change. We got Wolfgang coming up here on the other side from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studios. Jimmy B and T.C. 1700 KBGG is a big talker in Des Moines with Jimmy B. Welcome back. It's our time for our Friday conversation with Wolfgang, presented by the Spa at West Glen. Mother's Day, just over a week away. Get something nice for the special lady in your life. They have the great gift certificates, and uh, you let her pick kind of what she wants to do that way. Plus, you buy a $100 in gift certificate, extra $20 on top of it. Great deal at the Spa at West Glen, Wolfgang
3: absolutely i love free money i love that let's do it people support them let them know that they hear Mm you they hear Trent and wolfgang on the radio i'm gonna talk to her we're gonna get her
1: (laughs) well uh wolfgang it's been certainly an interesting week and we uh start with the news from yesterday afternoon the jane meyer case now i'm not a lawyer i have uh not been in really i've never been in courtrooms so i don't understand a whole lot of the logistics and everything that goes on here to me reading the case from my perspective i felt like iowa had a good case and that they were in good but then talking to my friends that are lawyers they said without documentation they were going to be in trouble they were baffled that they let this go to trial and you see the reason for it 1.43 million dollars to jane meyer
3: yeah and the documentation you have to do that <clears throat> you absolutely have to do that i haven't been following this just because I, I can't stand these kind of cases and, and this kind of stuff. But you have to document that stuff. From what I was hearing that, you know, what what Brands came in and was talking about, and then the baseball coach was coming and just ripping her a new one. I was talking to some people. What what happened, basically? So we owe, Iowa owes her $1.5 million, is that right?
1: Yeah, $1.43 million. So it looks like after last week saying she's been applying for jobs at Lowe's and Home Depot— It doesn't look like she'll have to do that anymore.
3: Yeah, I just this wasn't my thing. This brings me down. I I hate hearing about this stuff. Um, I don't know. I'd rather talk sports.
1: (laughs) I got you. I got you. Well, that leads to a bigger sports question. I want to get your take on this. Gary Barta, now with the five uh, counts that were... Uh, went Jane Meyer's way. Her claims include gender discrimination, sexual orientation discrimination, retaliation, yeah. equal pay violation, and a whistleblower violation. All five of her claims went her way in favor of Jane Meyer. Is Gary Bard in trouble?
3: I don't know. That That really sounds bad. And there's other things in sports where I'm just like, <clears throat> I hear the WNBA crowd, you know, asking you know why you know where's the um, why is nobody following us? Why is why is nobody giving us credit? The WNBA crowd. Hey, guess what? There's what fifty two percent of women in the population. Mm-hmm. Go watch them. Go watch them. Don't blame it on me. Don't blame it on you. It's bad basketball. I don't want to watch it. It's not sexism. It's bad basketball. There's like I said, fifty two, fifty three percent of the population is women. Right. So don't blame it on me as a man because I don't want to watch that. I enjoy watching college women's basketball. So don't call me a sexist for doing that. I enjoy watching, um, actually, women's tennis more than and men's tennis. Yep. I do yep. not not all the time, not all the time, but most of the time I enjoy you know watching watching them. But don't do that. You can't say that. Have the w- Sorry, Tiff would say the same damn thing, Trent. You go watch the games. I don't want to watch the games. Okay? Why are why are men being put to the... Uh, why are they being said that it's our problem and that we're sexist because we don't want to watch that? Fifty-some percent of the population is women. You go watch it. I'm not, Trent.
1: I got you. I got you there. No, seriously.
3: Yeah, yeah. Do you get it or not? No, I, absolutely.
1: I I enjoy watching some women's basketball. The WNBA, though, I don't. Uh, the time no. period that it comes in, those things. So the final question is, Wolfgang, I, again, this is going back to conversations that I had with people and friends that are lawyers. And the way that they put it is they would be incredibly surprised if he does keep his job. And this is something that's going to cool. happen Sooner rather than later, uh, these are damning things against him in that role. I, I was I was taken aback by it. I, I didn't see that coming, but I, I was dead wrong on this case too. I, I thought that the University of Iowa was going to be fine. They told me the documentation was going to hurt the university. They should have settled this thing a long time ago. They didn't do that. We still have Tracy Griesbaum trial that's coming up in June. Uh, that looks to be an even better case for against the University of Iowa in my mind. So with all those things there, I, I guess it is kind of a shock, but there are plenty of people out there that believe that this is the end of days for Gary Barta.
3: Yeah, you, you have prompted me to actually want to follow this. Now, I some of the politically correct stuff I can't follow yep. or I just yep. PO'd because it's just, it doesn't seem like it's both on the same way. I just I want, you know, if it's on one side, it's on the other side. That's all I ask. Equal opportunity for both. Women, men, whatever. That's all I ask. And, and, when we were talking about the WNBA. Or, you know what the, the good point is? Women's soccer. And I know you hate it. Okay? (laughs) I don't hate it. Okay? Well, okay, you don't hate it. But, they sell those suckers out. Okay? They should be making every single penny that the men make. I like, I almost enjoy watching the Women's World Cup and the World, Women's World Olympics more than the men. I won't say more, but as equal. And they should be being paid the same. But as far as I'm concerned, the WNBA people, you know, the women's college basketball hoops people, coaches, they shouldn't be being paid the same as men. They're not bringing in the same audience, the same crowd. I don't understand how that is controversial, but somehow it is. I don't know.
1: Well, the political correctness is something that, uh, certainly bothers a lot of people out there. And, uh, it, it's a wild time. It's a wild time. There isn't any doubt about it, Wolfgang. And, and if we get down that road and if it does look like Gary Barta, I mean, I, I haven't even started to, to think about who, you know, who would be in the role and who would be up there for the new athletic director. It, it's, uh, it's a different idea and something that just hasn't crossed the mind as of late, but maybe wow. we do have to get there.
3: That's crazy. And I got to be careful here cuz I do podcasts for Hawking Asian, so I can't. <laughs> but I you know, can. Gary Bader, I mean I don't know. I will have to look more into this and 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 see into it. You know way more about it than I do. I'm just saying that it, some of this stuff drives me crazy and we'll see. Maybe I'll change my opinion, but I'm going to keep a free mind and and look at everything. And like you said, you have a lawyer friend. Yeah. So you're a little bit ahead of the game on this.
1: Yes, and uh, I did a podcast, in fact, with him today. It's my my buddy that I do my Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast mm-hmm, with. Yep. he's a lawyer, and he he provided a lot today. So you can check that out: iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, all those places. If you're you're interested in a little more of a deep dive yeah, into you, things, you've
3: got me pumped up because I I don't want him gone. I don't like seeing people lose yeah, their jobs. I'm with you. He's a good man. Mm-hmm. I think he's you know we can we can you know. Go at him in certain things of whether who should be paid what or
0: mm-hmm.
3: should you have made that, uh, you know, but you know, he's made some good hires. He got Fran. We both like Fran. Yeah. Um, you know, Kirk, Kirk could have had a number of jobs. He, a number of times he could have gone to the NFL. We kept him. I know tons of people aren't huge on Kirk Ferrens. I am. And like you've said, I believe, like I've said, We've had Hayden Fry now and Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. Two guys that are probably going to go into the College Football Hall of Fame. Be careful what you, wish, what you wish for, I would say.
1: I was a lot closer to becoming Illinois or Purdue than they are Ohio State in the Big Ten. One bad hire can turn this thing around very quickly, and uh, we've certainly seen that in the past. All right, Wolfgang, with that, uh, let's move on from, uh, from the legal department, because it is not one of our strengths. Is that fair to say? Not one of our strengths?
3: That is fair, but I can get there by next Tuesday, I'm telling you. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 I really can. I can come up with (laughs) a article opinion that people will hate me. but I I try not to let – you know, I'm easy to hate, but uh, I try not to make people hate me. But I look at it from both sides. I don't think – look at it from her side. Look at it from Barta's side. That's what I would ask people to do. That's what you do in politics. Whether you're a Trump or a Clinton person, you look at it from both sides. That's what I do. Most people don't do that. I like watching – Fox News or MSNBC. I like looking at both sides to see what either side is saying. Oh, I'll be darned. I didn't even think of that. No, Most people don't do that. I don't get it. I don't. They just want to have their opinion and be right and and go there. That's not me. I, that's not me. And I don't think that makes a good talk show. I would hope that you would look at both sides and be able to hear both opinions so that you could come back and and do that. But that's just me.
1: That's just me. No, no, you're absolutely right. I agree with you there. There's no doubt about it. Well, with that, uh, we move on. In the world of the Hawkeyes, things are uh, slowing down. We're getting into the summer months. you got the Hawkeye baseball team. They're going out to Michigan State this weekend. They're in a tie for third place in the Big Ten, looking to make their way to Bloomington, and uh, going to have to win that whole thing, though, more than likely to be a team that gets into the NCAA tournament. they got some recruiting going on, but... Where's your attention right now, Wolfgang? You've talked in the past, maybe you're getting more into baseball. you got the n b a playoffs. What's exciting you right yeah.
3: now i got I got something for you. I got something for you. We didn't talk before sometimes we do sometimes we don't um got uh, the evolution of basketball- mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about that and what you think you don't know want uh, this is the marriage of college basketball and n b a here so this will probably transition more to college obviously there'll be a little bit of a you know we'll tip our you know, dip our toes into the water of the NBA a little bit. But the evolution of basketball and the three-point shot, what should Fran be recruiting, what you see in the NBA, because I'm very interested in your opinion because you don't watch much basketball, NBA basketball, excuse me. You watch a ton of college basketball. But I'm interested in what you're seeing in the NBA with the three-point shot and what a big, huge, freaking um, importance that is. You brought up last week that you actually loved watching LeBron mm-hmm. play more, you know, with the reserves, with yeah. the with the four guys around him, the six the seven foot center that has to bring out the other center that can hit threes like no other, but he can't do anything inside. And then you got J.R. Smith and you got all the other guys, the three point guys. I was recruiting. Um are we quite there yet? Has the college game caught up to the NBA quite yet? If you look at Iowa's roster and you look at the three-point shooters, because what I learned in kindergarten, Trent, was three is more than two. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that. Three yep, is yep. more than two. Okay, so we got Bohannon at 42%. Three-point shooting stud. You look up that, those last how many games we did, I can't remember. Last 11 games, it was just insane what he did. Okay? Uh, we don't have Jock anymore. Craner can hit a three. Is he even going to get playing time? Probably not. Right. Ellingson can hit a three like a mother. 47.1%. Bear forty percent. Moss thirty six percent. Uh then you bring in a guy like Luca Garza, who I don't have exact numbers on him, but he's at least a threat as a big guy.
1: Kind of like Creener, I, I would say, you know, he, he can step out, it's not a big part of his game, but he's not a stiff that can't shoot it either. I, I think that's how you kind of equate it.
3: Okay. I, I would agree with that. Um, I can't remember did I say moss? Moss thirty six percent, which mm-hmm. is I mean that that's not that's not bad for no, a second no. year guy. No. I mean I would I would hope that would improve with confidence and just being, you know, out on the court more with more experience. I would assume that would that would go up. McCaffrey, obviously we're probably not gonna have him this year, it looks like, um forty two percent in in his senior year from three point range. So do you like what Iowa is doing in terms of recruiting? Three-point guys. I don't know the Nungy guy. I don't know his three-point percentage. I've got to look that up. I couldn't find it. But I'd, I'd be interested. Everybody's comparing him to our boy, um, uh, what's his, uh, Utah. Right. Who? I mean, if you're comparing that guy to Utah, are you kidding me? That guy could shoot way out. Mm-hmm. So we, if we're getting these three-point shooters around a guy, and if you've been following the Hawkeye websites, we're going after point guard Trent, and we're going after them hard. And I love it. And there was one of the guys they considered a Jet. I'd love a Jet to be able to get into the middle of the lane and pass out to one of our three-point shooters. Um, What's what's your opinion on the evolution of basketball, NBA now down to college? Do you see Iowa recruiting that way to that that point?
1: Yeah, I mean, you kind of look at the way that they're building, but you have to have a guy that is incredibly effective to really open everything up. Of getting to the rim. And is that guy on the roster? Is there a guy that you can put in one-on-one situations and then have those shooters surrounding them on the outside? You know, with the roster as it's currently constructed, I I guess that guy might be Isaiah Moss. You hope he can morph into that. Can Tyler Cook develop more of a a drive game that he could have some things that open up a him? Can he turn and face and then look to drive? You know, if he can do that, Christian Williams, a guy that we've talked a lot about. He has some of those kind of qualities, so, but they don't have the, the star that can do that currently at that point. And, and with the evolution of basketball and the changing, I think you're going to see, as we've seen, the Rockets completely kind of turn basketball on its head. As we saw more and more spacing and shooting, and they've taken it to another level, who is going to be the college team that then looks to do something very similar and works to get to that? You've got to have an incredibly effective driver to get it done. I don't think Iowa has that guy on the roster, though.
3: No, when Fran came here, I was under the impression, and I openly admit that I said this, and I was wrong, um, didn't do my homework, went on the message board and said it. And nobody knows this. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't care. Fran McCaffrey, I would have rather had Fran Drescher than Fran McCaffrey, (laughs) and I said it. I I wasn't pumped. Looked more into what what he was. He was a fast-break guy, up-tempo guy. We really haven't seen that because we have not had a point guard that is a jet. If we get a jet as a point guard, why would not a point guard want to come to Iowa? Tell me right now, with his system, he's got to go out there and sell this like a mother. And it sounds like he's casting a wide net in terms of point guards. Because have we ordered, have we um, recruited, I think, uh, offered five guys for the next two years. But we need one. We need one of those guys. He almost had one in Tyler Uys, and I can't imagine what that would have done for the fast break, for the three-point shooting, for something like that. A guy that is a jet that can get in the lane and pass out. Um, back to your Moss take, I think he can get into the lane. I, I, I believe he can be one of those guys, but he was he was really up and down again. It's his second year. It was only his second year. No, excuse me, first year. But second year in the program, actually playing. Um, so could Moss do it? Um, he's going to have to be the guy. I'm trying to think of who else could get into the lane. It's it's not there. Ellingson isn't the guy. He's he's the guy that hits three point shot out. You know, out to 23 feet. He's not the guy that's going to get into the lane. So we'll we'll see on that. But Moss might be the guy that might be able to break you down and then either get to the rim or dish. What do you think?
1: He's the guy. He's the guy. He's got to take a, a big step forward along with it, and uh, that's what they're going to need at that spot. Hey, speaking of kind of the future, uh, I know you also like to follow Iowa State what they're doing, especially with the basketball team, and uh, the transfer market for them is something that has been so key with this renaissance of the program over the last seven years. They get another one yesterday, graduate transfer Jeff Beverly from Texas San Antonio. Uh, new forward, kind of a small forward type, six foot six, can rebound pretty well for being undersized. Good mid-range game to him. Uh, looking at some things there, but they certainly didn't get their top targets here. Just looking at it, they still have two more scholarships. They can still uh nab a couple of guys. Iowa State. When you look at them, do you see them as an NCAA tournament team next year? NIT? No,
3: no, 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 no. Okay. I mean, it's early yeah. right now. I mean, if you look at that team, there's no way that makes the NCAA tournament. I, I don't like to say that. Um, and I like their coach. I really think he's a good man, and I like him. I think he's a good dude. I just don't, I don't look at that roster right now with what they lost. I mean, they lost a freaking ton, man. It's just, I don't see how they could possibly make the NCAA tournament unless they get some fifth-year transfers that are just crazy. But now the problem is, Trent, everybody's going for those guys. Mm-hmm. It's not just Iowa State. Yep. Iowa State was ahead of their time and decided, you know what, what's wrong with the fifth-year transfer? What's wrong with the guy that, you know, graduated in bleepity believe years and decided, you know what, I want to go over here and get an education here, and this is who I want to play for? I thought it was just Hoiberg. What if What if they could do it at Iowa State now? I mean, that that would be unbelievable if they could do that and just be known as the fifth-year transfer school. That's not a bad thing. I think a Juco school is kind of, I mean, that's kind of known. I don't really, you know, I wouldn't want Iowa known as like the Juco school, but I mean, if you're a fifth year transfer school, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: No, no. And you know, Beverly is one of those fifth year guys that'll come in. So this is what the roster looks at like right now. You got, and to- I love
3: their point guard. I love their point guard Duh. that finally, you remember what he did at the end of the year? Yep. We kept waiting. I kept waiting and he was the number one point guard coming out and look what he, he's, I think he's good.
1: Donovan Jackson, he'll be yeah. him and Lindell Wigginton, the uh the five star point guard coming in from Oak Hill. Uh he just continued to ascend up the recruiting rankings as his career went off, finished as a top twenty five player from Rivals. So you got those two in the backcourt. That was now,
3: now So he's a shooting guard.
1: No, no, he's the point he's a point guard.
3: Oh, so you'll oh, so you have two point guards in the backcourt, which I don't necessarily hate at
1: all. No, not at all. Look at Kansas. Look look at a lot of teams in college basketball are going that way. It works very well. We saw how well Donovan Jackson can shoot it from the outside a year ago. I mean, he had a, a month-and-a-half stretch where he's shooting like 57% from three. Yes. Uh,
3: the yes. guys oh, the he came on big. He so, came on big. So like ba-
1: backcourt looks good, and then you go to the frontcourt. All right, coming back for a sophomore year, you have Solomon Young. You have Nick Weiler Babb, kind of a small forward type that you can put in there. You got Ray Kasango, the kid that transferred from Tennessee that sat out last year. He'll be eligible. You welcome in Jeff Beverly, the fifth year grad transfer from Texas San Antonio. He averaged 16 points, six rebounds a game uh, during his junior season. You have that Cameron Laird. And that's the great unknown. You know, that we we've, we've heard about this guy so much. Finally got on campus in December. They'd redshirted him uh, for the back half of the year instead of trying to find some minutes for him. If he can prove to be a guy that can give them, you know, ten now, which points. Guy, which,
3: which guy are you talking about? Cam-
1: Cameron Laird. If, okay. If he gotcha. can give them eight, nine, ten points a game, be a stretch four, can step out, give a little bit more room inside for Solomon Young. Uh, this team, I think they're closer than you might think, Wolfgang. I think you they're think closer. So? Yeah.
3: Even right now, not yeah. having anybody else come in, you're thinking they're okay. Close. You like them. I do. Now tell me what the Beverly kids going to do from Texas San Antonio cuz you said 16 points a game. What's what's he going to do at Iowa State this year?
1: You know, I think a, a realistic, you know, if he could give them 10 points a game, 10 points, Good. five boards, knock down some shots, mix it up. I mean, he's he's an undersized power forward. He can play the three, but you got Nick Weiler-Babb there that's going to play the three for him. A, a guy that I really like in the recruiting class. Everybody, of course, has fallen in love with Lindell Wiggington just because of of seeing him play at Oak Hill. I mean, you can watch this guy all the time. they got a kid coming in from Milwaukee that I really like, Terrence Lewis, who was a top 150 kid, uh, had some real nice offers coming out of high school. 6'6", smooth. I think he can be a really good defender for him. He'll be able to knock down some shots from the outside. I really like him. I, I think this team has more pieces... Iowa State fans are always excited. They always believe in. Hey, they should. They made the tournament well, no. once. years. no. Hey,
3: I would agree with. I would disagree with you. I think Cyclone basketball fans are some of the best fans I've ever heard. I love having conversations with them. I think they're realistic. What do you mean? They're, they're thinking they're going to go to the. Sweet 16 next year? No, no, what do you no. no. I, That's
1: not what I hear from them. No, no, no. Not that. They just believe that this roster is better than the outside believes, and I agree with them. I, I absolutely okay. agree with them. I see I see this team being right on that bubble fringe a lot more than some of the people out there, some of the Hawkeye fans that I heard. Uh, you just wait till you rebuild next year, you know, and that rebuild I don't think is going to be nearly as difficult as some Hawkeye fans are hoping for.
3: Yeah, you're talking me into this. And I can't, I'm going to look at this Wiginton guy, top 25 gotcha. player you're yes, saying? Are yes. you kidding me? So he, so he was borderline McDonald's All-American. Yep, correct. Holy. Okay. So, Dominic Jackson, Wiginton, Bab, Beverly, um, all right. I was, I was pretty much saying no way NCAA tournament. I'm still saying that. am uh-huh. still saying no way NCAA tournament, but you're pumping me up because I want bleep to talk about. It. So I, <laughs> I, I, I would love it. If Iowa State, um, was relevant next year and if coach can get it done because he followed the legend. Oh, we should have talked about Hoiberg by the way. Oh, we got two minutes. 2 Let's minutes. do, it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. See what Paxson said? Yeah. Yeah. Paxson and, and I didn't hear it on any of the ESPN radio shows. What I heard it, I saw it on the, uh, the scroll down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Paxson says something about. And this isn't an, an exact quote. It's pretty close. Something about Fred Hoiberg needs to be a, learn how to be a better leader. Mm. Really, Paxson? Mm. Who does that? What, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Why would you say that? Put, throw your coach under the bus. Maybe it's just me. Even though I'm a Hawkeye fan, love me some Fred Hoiberg. Always told you everybody I've ever been with. My mom loves Fred Hoiberg. Nobody wants to hear that. Why would you say that about Fred Oyberg and throw him under the bus like that when he's got a guy like Rajon Rondo? You want to coach him? You want to coach that <laughs> schmuck? Are you kidding me? And and then uh, what's his other uh, what's what's his name? Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler. Where are you going? Well, yeah, Butler obviously is a great player, but he's also a little bit of a head case. Dwayne Wade, he's an absolute pimp and he's so classy. And if I were if I were uh, Fred Oyberg, I would talk to him. And talk to him more, and and have him as my guy that I go to to talk to, about the team because Dwayne Wade is as classy as it gets. But man, were they bashing Fred Hoiberg and Paxson doing that? I lost all respect for him. I think that's you don't do that, man. What if Fred Hoiberg came out and said, "Yeah, you know what, Paxton, I don't like the players you brought me." Mm-hmm. It's a, it's pathetic. Seriously, you don't do that. You do not do that to the to the media. That's two minutes. Maybe I should shut up.
1: There's your two minutes, Wolfgang. Good catching up with you, as always. Spot West Glenn, get out this weekend. Next weekend is Mother's Day. Get something nice for the special lady in your life, or just hook yourself up. Get yourself a massage, right?
3: That's right. Oh, love it. I would love to have one, ever.
1: <laughs> we will talk to you uh, coming up on Tuesday, Wolfgang. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Trent. See you, buddy. That is Wolfgang. You can find him on Twitter, at Wolfgang Hawkeye. though, as you heard there. He likes to jump into things on the other side. He likes to go through and also talk a little bit about the Cyclones. Good stuff out of him. Good stuff on Hoiberg as well. That will do it out of show for today and for the week. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Enjoy your weekend as well. We'll be back at it Monday at noon. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700 from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studios.